0: But for those of you who don't know, uh, Charles Stock, who's going to be speaking in just a moment, um, is, is like a spiritual father to me. We, we uh, were at um, uh, Life Center. I was an associate pastor there. He had brought me on there. We used to attend church there, and Charles has this uh, apostolic anointing on his life, uh, carries... Uh, I think a gift of wisdom as well as healing and impartation and uh, and just carries a message of, of joy and, and love. And so uh, we just love having him. We love him being here. We love being in relationship with him. And I just love that we get to share him with you. And um, he he was at, uh, speaking at a church, uh, a Cheon's church, Dr. Cheyenne's church in Pasadena at a conference there. Um he's in good relationship with Dr. Che and uh and on his way back he said, Hey, do you want me to swing by? I'm like, Yes. So uh would you help me welcome Charles Stock? Charles uh he, he kind of shared his story last last time he was here, but he was he was uh Born again out of the Jesus movement, and uh, he was a he was a, a hippie and room. who uh, found Jesus and him and his wife Anne, it's who's so precious. Um, just uh, anyway, and then they and then <laughs> God shipped them over to Pennsylvania. Yep. It, it, you thought it was a curse, but it was a blessing. It was it ended absolutely. Up being a yep. But uh, why uh, Ruth? Why don't you pray for Charles before we oh. start? All right. Thank you, Ruth. You're welcome. Feel free to stick your hand out towards Charles yeah. and just
1: bless him. Yeah. yeah, Jesus, we just thank you for this beautiful man of God. Thank you for gracing us and blessing us with um, the word on his heart to share. And God, we just pray that you just anoint his tongue with your words, Lord, that you bring your presence, God, that he just steps right in to what you have. And so, God, thank you for everyone that's here. I know they're here for a reason. So just bless tonight. Bless this word. And, um, yeah, thank you. Amen. Amen, amen. Yeah, amen. amen. thank you. Make yourself at home. Okay, let's see. Make myself at home. Yeah, would you get me, some? no. <laughs> I'm teasing, but I. it's great to be here. We we um, miss Paul and Ruth, but we know they're on their assignment here. And they don't think it's a curse, unlike me when I first came to Pennsylvania, and our situation was quite different. We didn't know anybody. And we thought, God, what's was our crime, you know? Like, <laughs> did you send us here to be punished? And uh, so, but the amazing thing is, did you ever hear Jesus say, if I be lifted up, I'll draw him into me? And uh, Philippians says that he humbled himself and was found in fashion as a man and became a servant in the form of a servant a slave is the Greek and he was obedient to point of death even death on the cross and uh, Paul is taking Isaiah 53 and then he adds the even death on the cross to it and then the next word is therefore God has highly exalted him he's lifted him up So amazingly, the crucifixion was also the exaltation, you know, so sometimes we think we're suffering and being punished and God is actually promoting us. You know, it's, it's just, you know, it, it's all through there and, and the synoptics all talk. Jesus says, "I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be dead for three days." And it whenever everyone said, but he repeated it. But in John's gospel, every time he talks about it, he says, "When I'm lifted up." And uh, so sometimes we think we're get getting, like God help, and he says, "I'm I'm lifting you up," and and I'm not being funny about that. I, he he actually, we were singing it tonight, right? Like we can't, we can't outrun him. And when we think we're hiding from him, he's beside us, you know? It's like, so he's got the whole world in his hands and everything's gonna be all right. That's, that's the gospel. Um, as as uh, Ethan was praying, you know, what a privilege that we're in an intimate relationship with the creator of the universe. And the sustainer of all things, who's not surprised by anything. Here, I'll get that out of the thing. So, thank you, Lord. Bless, bless this uh, meeting that we have here tonight. And it's just so good to be with you all. It's an honor and a privilege. Uh, and I'm, I'm hoping my message is is kind of short. I feel like there's an impartation at the end. And. I I'm not going to stop and pray for healing right now but I, I when I was spending some time with the Lord this afternoon there's is there someone here with a broken ankle or a messed up ankle and just that God okay oh how about that <laughs> good well good news <laughs> you're being healed and uh and then we'll pray for you at the end the very first healing I ever well, I, there are probably a few healings when I first got saved before I knew what was going on. But the first one where I was seriously, um, you know, praying to, for a healing, uh, I was living in Santa Cruz, California, been a Christian for about a year, and uh, this friend of ours was a nurse at the hospital, said this young man, a Jehovah's Witness, came in, uh, he broke his... He is a new Jehovah's Witness, and he he broke his his femur in a motorcycle accident. He's in traction. He's at this hospital, and she said, "Would you would you come and pray for him for healing?" So I went with her husband, and we went and walked on the beach. And it was I remember it was a cold, windy, 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 gray day with you know just rain, and it's about. Fifty degrees and about a forty mile an hour wind, and it was maybe it was colder than fifty. But we're like praying in tongues, and so we go to the hospital, and uh, and he immediately starts throwing out theological things like, well, you know, you believe Jesus is God and he's not God, he's, you know, he's created by God, and and my friends started to argue with him, and I just felt like the Lord gave me a, a strategy, and I and I looked in this Jehovah Witness Bible, and I said, well do you believe he's the son of God? He said, yeah. So he said, okay, it says here that he's got life in the son, and and he who has the son has life, and he who has not the son of God doesn't have life, and would you like to know that you have life? Just bypass the bad theology. Do you want a relationship with the son of God? And he said, yeah. (laughs) So... Because we asked him, How, you know, when you die, where are you going? He says, well, I don't know. As soon as I get out of here, I'm going to knock on doors, and I want to be one, one of the 144,000 that make it into heaven. And, and we said, well, you could know that you have eternal life. He goes, really? And it was right out of their Jehovah Witness Bible, you know, First John 5, you know. And so anyway, so then he's there. And, uh, and I, um, I said, hey, you know, would you like us to pray for your leg? Jesus heals people. And... Uh, and he goes, yeah, okay. you know. So I, I put my hands on his leg, he's in traction. And I don't totally understand traction, but so I, I got my hands on his legs and I'm praying, the broken leg, I'm praying. I, I was in some kind of a, of a cast and with pins uh, and traction. And uh, I'm praying, and as I'm praying, I have my eyes closed and I feel movement. And I think I'm offending him. You know and that he's trying to wiggle out of my prayer i'm and and so I just think, oh well, if I'm going to offend him, I'll just go all the way so I start praying in tongues and I just pray in tongues for about five minutes with my eyes closed and you know and then and I'm fully expecting that as soon as I stop he's going to say, "Get out of my room you know and so i i I pray this, and I, I stop and I look up and he's he's like he said, What was that? I said, what? He said, I feel all this heat. I feel my leg was moving, and 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 I'm like, oh, Jesus is healing you. You know, you're you're being healed. And so he like he really got blasted with an encounter with God. And um the next time we saw him, all the Jehovah's Witness books were gone because they 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 came to tell him we were bad, and he said, I don't think they're bad, they prayed for me and something happened to my leg. and So they called him, a, they said he was a goat and he left. And they left and they took all the books. And so we went back and, he, and he, said, he said, hey, I just got x-rayed and the doctors can't believe it. They said my bone is healing like super fast and they can't explain it. And, uh, and then when he got out of the hospital, he came to our little church in Santa Cruz and became a home group leader. And last time, I got in touch with him about five years ago, and he was leading like a little home church up in Oregon, so it's good. Hallelujah. So be healed. Okay. That's a bad way to have a short sermon, but um, to tell stories. Okay. So um, does anybody have kidney pain on the right side? Anybody like you, you just been struggling with that? Okay. You know, one for two, that's not bad. Batting 500, no, it must be someone online, right? But I, I'm just being faithful. And you know what? If I miss it, I don't care because he never misses it, you know, so. Um, and Okay, there's a grace here to heal high blood pressure. Anyone, that's an issue with you. High blood pressure, good. I saw those hands and Jesus saw you. That's why he, he gave this word. And then um, the last one is, I, I don't know what, and it's kind of vague, cloudy vision. I don't know if it's like, like, okay. You have cloudy vision and high blood pressure, right? You have any kidney pain on the right side? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we're just going to release those words right now, and at the end, we'll have have some prayer time for some other stuff. But Lord, we thank you that you're Lord of the universe, that you're the Creator, that you give us. You give us this grace that we walk with you and you do things all around us and through us and we love it and we just thank you that you're healing this broken ankle, you're healing this high blood pressure, you're healing this cloudy vision, God, that there will be a testimony to your glory and you'll do it again and again and again in Jesus' name. All right, so what I wanna talk about tonight, um, and I might, I might do a different message tomorrow on living in, you know, what reality we're living in, pre or post-resurrection. But I, I felt like the Lord wanted me to give you this message on a voice of hope in terrible times. And what it, the purpose of this message is that, you know, your voice of hope and our, our our words that he puts in our mouth, that there's a release of innovation, creativity, and boldness that is actually key for this time. Um, it, and it, by the way, it's so good to be with you again. I, I mean, I'm just diving in, and uh, and so part of why I feel like this is a good message is that the whole world has experienced a really tough time for the last two years. You know per the, the dynamics of the last two years are unprecedented in human history. Uh, you know, there's a lot of Weird things that have happened, you know, totalitarian mandates all across the world in different countries, healthy people that were quarantined and locked down, people went out of business, kids couldn't go to school, suicide among, and depression and anxiety rose high among children. Um, the, the, it's just a lot of hard things uh you know we're we 're surrounded by sexual anarchy and it 's being promoted by our culture not not our culture but by the culture around us and this all i mean this really accelerated during this period that uh you know women 's sports are uh, are under attack uh, and uh Which you understand about that education is something that every parent in this country should be really focused on what's being taught to their children because it's very interesting that the word propaganda comes from the word propagate and it's the actual idea. Originally, it was used in a positive way of teaching people faith, and so. What, what we use propaganda negatively, that it's somebody trying to indoctrinate us in something that we wouldn't, by common sense, understand. And then we have, you know, just wars going on all over. And so, it's an issue that around, I mean, around the world, people have struggled with anxiety, depression, and all of these things. And here's the good news, that we're here not to be thermometers and give the report, even though I've just given the report, but that's not the reality we live in. We're here as thermostats that actually when we're around people that are distressed and bummed out and anxious or we struggle with it ourselves, that inside us is the one who corrects every error in Jesus' name, you know, that inside us, and so we're called to be a voice of hope and actually as we do that, we release the victory okay, so um, and here's I mean this is scriptural, Paul talks about it, Romans chapter five, that th- having peace with God, there you know and and this access and this grace that we stand in we boast in our sufferings. Like, what, are you crazy? No, because he understands the connection between the cross and the resurrection. That, you know, that the way we get lifted up is often we go through some very difficult times. I consider, this is Romans 8, 18, I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that's to be revealed in us and to us. Okay, and so what it's very important in this time that we vocalize the reality that we're living in. And so we have instructions like this: Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5:16: rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It's for all of us. Isn't this amazing? All you can't Rejoice without making noise, correct? I mean, and we love worship, and worship is disruptive to the darkness. Worship releases an incense into the atmosphere that really disrupts the plan to cancel joy, you know? And so just don't be canceled. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Now, you can pray silently, but prayer is continual communion, you know? Like you, you, you can't actually just pray all the time, or if someone's talking to you, you wouldn't know what they were saying because you would be busy praying. But we can always be in a prayer where we're listening for God. Most prayer is listening, not speaking. And so very often, we can be totally present in a conversation because we're listening to the person talking to us. Perhaps God is talking to us. No doubt a child, you know, a a human being created in the image and likeness of God is speaking to us, maybe that's, you know, what's coming out of their mouth isn't evident to that, but it's like, it's very important that our, our posture is always toward what's being said and then what we're saying in response. And then giving thanks, we can't do giving thanks without opening our mouths. We cannot be canceled. Anyway, just saying and your joy really bugs the devil, you know, it's depressing to him. Your peace gives him anxiety, you know. <laughs> your joy gives him depression, and your faith and your love causes him to be afraid, you know, so, and and run away. Perfect love casts out fear. So, but vision and voice work together, and so if we're, you know, it's so important, and may, maybe I'm just preaching to the choir here, but what we focus on will eventually be what informs our heart and what comes out of our mouth. So it's very important, like, you know, it's important to know what's going on around us, but it's important not to major on that. You know, you can probably get everything you need to know for the day in a few minutes. You don't need to spend endless hours on news shows and and talk shows and war rooms, and I like all these guys. You know, but I mean, from the far right to the far left, everybody's upset at somebody, and usually that's what most of the news is, this news cycle. And so sometimes it's important to realize that that people are suffering, that things are going on, but this is the news that is always fresh, it's always eternal, and it always fills us with living hope. He's not only our blessed hope that we're, we're, we're waiting for his return, but we're living, he's living in us as a living hope. And so I'm telling you, the, the circumstances of whatever goes on in the next crisis cannot shut you down from living hope. And it's very important that we know we're in this world, we're not of this world. Anyway, anyway. We're citizens of heaven, and we're ambassadors of Christ, and so what we focus on has everything to do with that, and sometimes we're, the reality is, I mean, over the last few years, like, like millions of small businesses have gone bankrupt, and you know, all kinds of people have lost things. It, there's some real loss there, but even in the middle of intense loss, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Jeremiah watched the meltdown, the destruction of the city of God. God's city, Jerusalem, was destroyed that Jeremiah had been prophesying about, but, he, but seeing it happen put him into a deep grief. And so we have the lamentations of Jeremiah, which I do I, maybe I'm strange, but it's like one of my favorite books because I feel the broken heart of God. I feel him, his love for God and for the people of God. And But right in the middle of Lamentations, he's talking about his grief. You know, and we do, we mourn, we pray, we see, you know, and not just talking about the, the circumstances of the past few years, but it happens in people's lives, in people's families, in just in normal times. Lamentation 320, my soul continually remembers it, remembers the loss. We get traumatized by these things, and it is bowed down within me. But here's his remedy, and I'm not trying to, I'm speaking fast, but this isn't necessarily like just instant thing. But this I call to mind, like he's not not dwelling on the loss, it's around him, he continually remembers it, but he's actually, he's pursuing a cure for the deep mourning he has. This I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Verse 22, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His chesed, his his covenant love, his his loyalty to you never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. So he has ceaseless love, he has endless mercies. You can't get on his last nerve. You can't, and and on top of that, they're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I mean, so every morning, no matter how bad your day was or how bad you were in the day, the next morning, you're facing new mercies and ceaseless love. So we get back up and we change our focus from what's wrong all around us, even what's wrong within us, and we begin to focus on his steadfast love that never ceases, his mercies that are new every morning, the great faithfulness of his character toward us, and therefore we say, the Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. And we're brought back to hope, and so it's important that our focus is, I'm so glad you guys, you know, presence, yes! You know, presence. John writes, First John chapter three, behold the manner of love. See the great love that God has for us. That's so amazing that because of that love, we become the children of God. We're called the children of God. We're not only called the children of God, that's what we are. The world doesn't know us because it didn't not does know him. But now we are the children of God. And it says if we have this vision, this hope in us, we'll purify ourselves. So it's like, this is why, don't, I mean, we just wanna eliminate depression and anxiety, and I know some people it's like a chemical thing, and I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. I wanna give you hope that the Lord is going to break off a continual, habitual tendency toward, toward doubt, depression, and anxiety, and give you a living hope. So, amen. Anyway. But it's very important that we vocalize this and that we, like there's a battle over what gets said. I love Romans eight thirty one. We need to give victory to the voice and the promises because what we say what we say, we're actually sowing seeds with the words that we speak. The secret of the kingdom of God is the sower sows the word, and the word is in the seed is the word of God. So the sower sows the seed, and the seed is the word of God. So Paul asks this question in Romans 8, he, and he's talking about everything that God has done for us. And so Romans 8 31, he says, What then shall we say to these things? And sometimes we, you know, we're, we're, We're affected by the culture around us. So everybody's like complaining and everybody's down and doesn't, you know, we're mad at somebody, mad at the president, mad at the ex-president, mad at, you know, mad at at these people or that people. And and so Paul is saying, what then shall we say to these things? Upset about the price of gas, upset about the border, like these some of these things, you know, they're very upsetting but what we say about them is very important. Here's what the answer is. If God is for us, who can be against us? So I'm not trying to minimize any of these challenges. I'm just saying that that God is bigger than all that. If God is for us, who can be against us? Like what does it matter? He, verse 32, he who did not spare his own son, how will he not also with him give us, graciously give us, all things. So he gave us his son. His son created the universe. He gave us his son, who is co-eternal, who is eternally begotten of the Father before all ages. He gave us his son. How can he not, with him, give us all things? How many, you, that Jesus, you know Jesus is living inside you? Okay, so now if the creator the sustainer, and, and the coming judge of the entire universe, and the the, the, unve- the bridegroom who's going to unveil the new creation, if he's living in us, how is it that God hasn't given us what, he need, what we need? Like, we can be in a situation where it's like, God, this really stinks, and he said, I know, but don't worry. Here's... Our reality is that, it, the, this is Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. If you speak Spanish, it's nada me faltera. If you speak Hebrew, it basically says literally, lack does not exist inside that covenant. And people, you know, people make a mistake about this and they think like, well, you know, if there's no, if the Lord's my shepherd, I have not, no lack, he's graciously given us all things, I can have whatever I want. Now, there's, a, there's a, a condition on that statement. If the Lord is my shepherd, within my covenant relationship with him and within my assignment, I have everything I need. There's no lack. So it's like, I can't just say, man, I like, I mean, I could if, if I had had enough resources and and God had just blessed me and I could spend my money any way I wanted and I know He his favors on it. If I saw a Lamborghini and I'd say, hey, you know, I, I think that's a good investment of $400,000 of my money, the Lord's money that he gave to me. That, I could do that, but it's not my assignment. So therefore, I can't say, well, God's given me all things, so I think I, I want that Lamborghini. That's called Grand Theft Auto. The, um, <laughs> if I just take it. Because I'm, I'm stepping outside of my assignment, but within my assignment and within your assignment, whether it's some kind of ministry or, I mean, everything's a ministry, whether it's a business or, a, or your ministry is actually your job or your family or something, everything you need is available to you. I mean, everything, because there's no lack in that assignment. And it's very important what we say. You know, what shall we then say to these things? Who, you know, who will bring any charge? Who is there to condemn? Christ is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Nothing, no one can separate us from the love of God. In all these things, we're more than conquerors. Now, but, so what, we're alive in this time, and this is like a turning time in the whole world. Like all of this, like horrible stuff that's happened over the last years, and, and you've, meet all kinds of people with conspiracy theories and all, all kinds of stuff. But I'm telling you, it, there's always been a conspiracy against God and God has always been laughing at it. And he's, <laughs> he's been saying, my solution is you are my son. Today I have begotten me. Ask of me and I'll give you the nations. You know, this is God's solution to the conspiracies of men. So we're not victims, we're actually victors if we understand who we are. We're alive in a history-making moment, and the Holy Spirit is leading the church out of survival into revival. Like, this is really important that we know this and that, you know, in the words of Isaiah, it's time to arise, shine. Isaiah 60, your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you, you know, and the promise is there's darkness on the earth. There's thick darkness on the people. Would you say, yeah, you look around and you see the anarchy and you see the all the craziness and all the things, you'd say, oh, that's evidence of thick darkness on the people. So, so when we see that darkness, we're actually encouraged, hey, this is the time when when we're to arise and shine and the glory of the Lord is upon us and nations will come to the brightness of our shining. Pretty good. And so it's always in seasons of great darkness that God's glory rises upon his people. We're in the birth contractions of the greatest revival the world has ever seen. It's at hand. It seriously is. It's breaking out. It's breaking, you know, I mean, so many people are coming to Jesus in this time because of the pain, because of the confusion. And God has taken away your confusion and given you like his inheritance, and this is your hour, I'm telling you. And so, but in the middle of it, it's a battle. And so I want to look at at a battle pretty quickly here, but it's very important. And um, it's, if you want, it's in actually in five chapters of the Bible. It's it's the battle of the king of Assyria coming against Hezekiah and the king of Judah and his capital city of Jerusalem. It was besieged um, during his time. I mean, Hezekiah was a a reformer. He was exceptionally faithful. He was 12 generations after David. He was seven generations after Jehoshaphat. He may have been the greatest reformer of all of the kings of Judah after the kingdom was divided. And, uh, and, And so he was... But in the middle of all this stuff he was doing, he actually tore down the high places, which none of them did. He restored the the feasts in the proper way, and he did a lot of good things. At the end of his life, he didn't do so well. But in, in this season, he's doing great. And while he's doing great, Sennacherib, Comes up against him, and Sennacherib was one of the cruelest kings in history, king of Nineveh. His name actually means the increase of hatred, you know. Like, and he was like a terrorist. He would go to places, chop people up, and and but leave all the people traumatized so they could run around and tell everybody else to 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 don't, don't even try to fight him. He he used terrorism as one of his tactics, and so, um, so. But Hezekiah, even though he's faithful, he was faced with absolute destruction if God didn't intervene. And I feel like we're the same way in America today, but my encouragement is I can see God intervening by waking up his people, you know, and so the, uh, but the battle, but this battle for Jerusalem, a lot of our favorite little nugget promises from Isaiah are actually Come out in this context. Like here's one of them. Isaiah 54:17. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. Now that was a specific word given in that time, and it's a, a word for us in this time. You know that that. Tongues rising against us, calling us all kinds of things, because we're Christians, and because we believe, I believe America is the greatest nation that has ever existed in the history of the earth. It's unique and' it's blessed and it's got lots of problems, but it's the land of opportunity and the land of hope, and God's hand has been on it. And so but there are, are tongues rising against God, you know God's people who believe that, and we get called Christian nationalists. Well, are you a Christian? Do you live in a nation? You know, we're not globalists, we're nationalists. We have a nation and we love it. And we love all the people in all the nations. But so we're why would this verse come during this time? Because Hezekiah was resisting propaganda. Um, Sennacherib didn't come directly against Jerusalem, he sent Rab Shekah his chief commander, Rabshakeh, was the propaganda secretary for for Sennacherib. And he was sent to demoralize God's people with his words, trying to get them to give up, to lay down and surrender the city without a fight. And he tried to convince Hezekiah and all the people of Jerusalem that God had forsaken them and could not save them. Man, it sounds so familiar. Do you know, I mean, Rabshakeh brought this big army around Jerusalem and then they didn't fight. Rabshakeh would just stand outside the wall and, pro- and say that God, had, God would not save them, that no king had been able to save them from, and every day, day after day, and they said, don't speak in the language of the people because the people were up on the wall going, oh, they're watching the news. And they're going, it's terrible. Yeah, we're going to die because everybody else died. No king has been able to save his country from from Sennacherib. And no God has been able to save his people from Sennacherib. And this is the propaganda. And so they're terrified. And uh, I'm telling you, Rabshakeh represents a demonic assignment against Believers. And, and, and I'm not just talking about our nation. I'm talking about like dreams and hopes and plans that you have for your own life, things that God has shown you that you're working on and there's there's, there's pushback on it. And so it's a, it's a demonic assignment that comes against believers, leaders, nations and Rabshakeh was the voice of Sennacherib. So Rabshakeh would be, he's like one of those when Paul writes, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, we wrestle against World rulers of darkness, cosmocrat, you know, cosmocrats. This is what they're called these ruling spirits that rule over not just a location, but over a whole general arrangement of things. And that spirit to discourage people that God is not faithful is sent out against believers everywhere. And so, and here's what he did. He, he targeted the mind of God's people in order to define the narrative by relentlessly filling the atmospheres with lies. That's why it's important that we restrict like, how much bad news we, we listen to or watch at anything because we need to be, we need to know God's narrative, not the enemy's narrative. His voice filled the air with, or filled the internet with accusations against who God is, against leaders, exaggerating the impossibility of their situation. So I'm just saying, don't let the enemy get in your head. God is a God of hope. He is a God of hope. He's the creator of the universe, and he's not worried. Actually, in heaven, he's looking at all these plans and plots and conspiracies, and he's, he's having a good laugh. You know, he's, he's just saying, wait till I, til I do what they're not expecting. So this is a relentless, a relentless voice that tries to talk believers out of their divine assignments. And the voice of the enemy will try to convince you that all your prayers and proclamations have been for nothing. And that in the end, God will not do what he said. And this is the crazy thing, that God lets us experience disappointment. You know and then the enemy goes see 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 God can't do anything and it's like yeah this is friday but wait till sunday you know <laughs> like like because the same spirit that raised christ from the dead is in you and in me and it oh and not just in us as individuals but us as a whole united Ecclesia of God's people on the planet Earth, you know. So the voice of the enemy will try to wear you down with accusations, intimidations, frustrations, so that your strength to give birth to revival, to the dreams that you have for God, you don't have, you you know, you just don't get there. To fulfill your calling, you're exhausted, and you just say, I'm just gonna try to survive. And so many people, will walk away from their calling because they're so beat up and exhausted. Don't judge them, pray for them, you know. But, you know, here, so here's the question, is it possible to be pregnant with revival, pregnant with an idea, and not have the strength to bring it forth? And this is one of the things Hezekiah said. He he said, Isaiah, I've got this problem. You know, the, the time has come to give birth and we don't have the strength for it, and so, Um, Is it possible to be pregnant with a miracle answer to your situation, but it's aborted or stillborn because you give up or you get distracted with problems, so distracted with problems that you lose your focus or your faith in God? Is it possible to no longer have the strength to stand for the destiny of your nation because of mental exhaustion? This is what this spirit is sent to do. And so what we need is the voice of the Lord you know, this is what's defining the battle of this day. Which voice will control the narrative? And so Psalm 29, 4, it was kind of in some of the songs we were singing tonight, declares, the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. It thunders. It's the sound of many waters. It causes the oaks to break and the dear to give birth. You know, it's, it's powerful. So God's voice always carries victory. Like, how do you know if you're listening to the devil or, or, or to the Lord? Because the Lord is always saying, I can do this. I can do this through you. There's a new beginning. Get up. I've forgiven you. Get back in that. You know, it's like, this is the voice of the Lord. It's full of victory, full of hope. And, uh, be aware of, which, of what our voices are saying. This is why the question is, what will we then say to these things? Be aware of what we're saying. Do my words align with God's word? Be alert to the enemy's voice and his nuclear missiles of negativity, hopelessness, and fear. You know, like, I mean, I, we could go into all kinds of examples. We're bombarded with it. You know, oh, you know, the dollar's gonna fail. Do you know the dollar was gonna fail in 1970? It was gonna fail in 1976. It was gonna fail in 1980. It was going to fail, you know, I don't know. If it fails, God won't fail. You know, come on. It's like, don't get distracted with the negativity. Fill yourself with hope. Be aware, be alert. Every day we're assaulted with this barrage. The goal of cancel culture is to get believers, prayer warriors, and reformers to back down, break down, and surrender. And the battle over the voice is fueling the battle for our nation. In, but this is a tipping point in history, and God's church, God's people must unite to stand against this demonic attack and see righteousness and justice reestablished in our land by releasing our voice and God's decree against all the lies of the enemy. You know, it's a powerful thing to worship. You know, we get together and we start to declare that God is good and it makes us happy. And on top of that, he's enthroned on the praises of his people. So he comes down and wherever his people are united in prayer and worship, God is there as king sitting on a throne. And so I love, I love, I don't know if everybody else loves, but I love the Let Us Worship movement. Sean Foyt was uh, part of our church for about six or seven years, and and still, and I'm telling you, he's in his lane, you know, he's a disruptor, he's, you know, and he's a motivator, and he's fearless. And I said, God, I said, Sean, God made you for this hour. A lot of people don't like you, but it doesn't bother you at all. And... Uh, that's a rare, you know, it's like the more people hate him, the more joy he has, and he's just glorifying God in humility, and uh, you know, I, I guess there's a few cities where they're, they've got legal action against him, they want to put him in jail, but uh, he's beautiful, his, his family, his family is special, beautiful children, and so we just, we just have to be with it, so Here's the thing, so it's time to move from besiegement to breakthrough. That we're not being besieged, we're actually breaking through. Inside you is breakthrough. And I'm, you know, Paul mentioned when we came to Pennsylvania, we thought we were being punished. We didn't know God was giving us an assignment that would absolutely not only change our life, it would change our city, and, there, and things would happen that would change the world. You know, and it, we didn't have to do it all. We just had to stay put in our assignment and keep worshiping God and keep loving one another. And God would bring all kinds of of resources into our city that would absolutely change it. And along the way, He would make some miraculous provisions of a building we could have never imagined to, or designed or bought. And He, I mean, He just sent prophets and and so just by staying put and loving God and loving. People, God turned our city into an apostolic center. Randy Clark moved in 2001. We were worshiping God all through the 90s in our little ugly uh, casket warehouse in the hood, with drive-by shootings and cars being stolen. And we had to hire off-duty policemen on during our services so that cars wouldn't get broken into and and you know it's just like nobody thought like th- those losers look at them you know it's location 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 our church was at the c- corner of south 13th street and killer and it <laughs> it really was south 13th street and people got killed but that was the street wasn't called killer but it's like nobody came except the holy spirit and when the holy spirit came then all kinds of hungry people came and god sent prophets and gave us this amazing Opportunity and, but it, it's not even. We don't have to do it. We just have to be faithful in our assignment. Not doubt God, and if if we stay put and we stay believing, His promises are all yes and amen. All right, so so here, what do we do? We resist. Now, the amazing thing is, King Hezekiah didn't let. Rabshakeh's propaganda, steal God's land. Instead, he strengthened the city practically. Like he was, he was upset. He was praying. He was crying out to God. He was telling Isaiah, I need a word from God. But you know what he did? He put everybody to work. Hey, let's build some towers. Let's fix this wall. Let's make some weapons. He, he, he got a work crew to, to construct a 600 meter long tunnel through solid rock with work crews working from two ends. It's Hezekiah's Tunnel. You can go visit in Jerusalem today to make sure there would be fresh water in the city as they're under siege. And do you know what that did? It just made everybody, instead of being afraid all day, they said, hey, I gotta get up and go to work. So they're just chiseling rock all day long. They come home, they're tired, they're happy to see their wife and children. And it's like he occupied the people with the things they could do rather than saying like, Thing. So, God, just give us practical wisdom and fortitude you know this this is the uh, in the new testament it 's called patience it 's called endurance it 's grit you know it 's like i 'm not going to surrender even while you know i 'll stand here swinging my sword until i 'm knocked out you know uh, So that's what he did. He cried out in prayer and repentance and from this he was strengthened and he got so filled. Listen to this word of encouragement he gives to his people who are totally surrounded by this big army. Be strong. This is 2 Chronicles 32, 7. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or dismayed. Sounds like Joshua, doesn't it? Before the king of Assyria and all the horde that is with him. For there are more with us Then with him, they're like, what? (laughs) For with him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God, Yahweh, King of the universe, to help us and to fight our battles. And the people took confidence. There was an anointing on it. The people took confidence, strengthened from the words of Hezekiah of Judah. So these are powerful words of encouragement during wild, dangerous times. And I just wanna release this to you that, there would, you would have a grace on your life that you will find yourself speaking words of encouragement when you get around people who just got devastated. Oh, did you know gasoline's $10 a gallon? No, you know, and I just bought this great big pickup, you know, but it's like, no, just speak those words that God would anoint you because you've been spending time with the God of all hope. That out of your mouth would come peace and joy and you would believe and you would, you would encourage the people around you. God's not ignorant of the price of fuel or any other crisis that's going on here. And so, but he processed the bad news by laying the accusations of the enemy on the altar. And, and lifting his voice to God, and he sent for Isaiah the prophet and said, I need a word from God, and you know, and so that that synergy of his kingly authority and the prophetic office and prayer, it released a breakthrough, and I'm telling you, we are, we, I mean, it, the breakthrough's already here. It's popping out everywhere, but you're gonna see a shift, and boy, here I am prophesying this, and I'm telling you, it, I mean, I believe it, and I'm thinking like, well, I've often said things that I think, boy, if these people have memories, I might be persecuted as a false prophet. But all, every time I've thought that, I've just said it anyway, and it, so far I haven't been stoned. But the, um, anyway, and I, I, of course I mean by rocks, not by drugs, okay. <laughs> Isaiah told Hezekiah that the Lord had heard his prayers. I mean, Isaiah had a word for him. Hey, here's the word of the Lord for you. God said, I have heard him and I'm I'm gonna take care of this and I'm gonna save this nation. And he released a prophetic word, a breakthrough, that sounded impossible and here's what he said. You know, he said, God is gonna, gonna, he's gonna break through and these guys are gonna head back to their home country. And that night, after Isaiah had spoken this word over the king's prayer to this desperate place, that night, God sent one angel he sent one angel, and as in Isaiah it says that he, he smite he smote in King James, or he hit all the mighty men, all the warriors. That night, and, and they woke up in the morning, and all they saw was dead bodies. One angel took care of 185,000 demonized, mighty, war, bloodthirsty warriors. They were all dead in the morning, and so... Now, King Sennacherib is like, well, this the battle's over. So, Shekah and Sennacherib went back to Assyria and a few, a few weeks later, they were in their temple worshiping their God and their sons came in and killed them. Crazy, crazy story. But you see why God was laughing when they were saying all this stuff? So, I'm just telling you, Dedicated prayer, powerful prophecies, anointed decrees shift the battle and brought heavenly intervention and victory was manifested. God mobilized angels. I'm telling you, there are angel armies ready that are protecting you, but they're ready to go to battle for you. And so here's what we do. We hear, we believe, we stand. We position ourselves as Hezekiah did to seek the Lord, hear his voice, put our trust in him, and, you know, sometimes we have to whine a bit. We have to complain and say, God, this really stinks. This is really bad. You know how big the bills are. And he said, no, tell me. No, it's like he's patient with us. But once we get that out, it's a funny thing. Like, He know, we, we realize you're actually listening to me and hope starts to rise. And pretty soon we start hearing strategies from the Lord. And, and here, we put our trust in him. We'll see every voice of the accuser struck down. No weapon formed against you. Every voice that rises in judgment against you, will, will, you're gonna condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Every besiegement destroyed, everything stolen, returned in abundance. The name Hezekiah interestingly means Yah is my strength. And so in, I'm telling you, we're in a time of contending, and here, the good news is this is a time when God's going to restore our strength Physically, emotionally, and spiritually so we can fulfill our divine assignment. So the voice of the Lord shatters the enemy. That's Psalm, Psalm 29. But he turned, he turned the evil, the enemy meant, against the reformer back on his own head. And so here's one of Isaiah's best prophecies that comes out of this setting, out of this, like this intense battle against Jerusalem Isaiah 30, verse 31, I'm gonna read it out of the New International Version because it says it so well. The voice of the Lord will shatter Assyria, and with his scepter he will strike them down. Every stroke, the Lord lays on them with his punishing rod will be to the music of tambourines and harps as he fights them in the battle with the blows of his arms. So I'm just saying, rise up, we worship. You know, our worship is actually a kind of warfare. We're not worshiping to punish the enemy, we're worshiping because God is good. But your worship releases the judgment of God on the enemy. So I'm just saying, seek the Lord, hear his voice, shake off all the discouragement, fear, resist the propaganda that you hear around you, and we're gonna see the breakthrough. Do you believe that? Okay. Then I want you to stand. This is actually the end, and then I'm gonna give a testimony. So uh, I want you to stand and pray with me, and we're gonna pray something together. We'll do it responsibly, okay? I'll give it in short, short bursts. So it's simple but it's very good our united voices in prayer have great power Amen. and sometimes in our tradition we don't do much you know united responsive praying and but i'm telling you when we all pray together it's like it's like thunder yeah. in the spirit okay so here we go lord let your voice be louder than the voice of the enemy For your words are life to me. me. I submit myself to you. I I resist the enemy. enemy. And he must flee. flee. I evict every lie. I lie. I I draw upon your supernatural strength to sustain me And give me victory in every battle in Jesus' name. name. Can you shout Hallelujah? Hallelujah! (laughs) So good. Okay, so here's, um, thank you for putting up with me. I just felt like this is so important that we're encouraged, and I feel like as even as I'm speaking this. Whether I said it great or I said it okay, it doesn't matter because it's the grace of God that's coming into us. We're being infused with the encouragement of the Lord. And I just declare that you're gonna have a grace on your heart to hear the word of the Lord. And when you hear bad news, God's gonna remind you of the good news. And, you're, and his laughter will become your laughter. And you'll get like these, oh, how are we ever gonna do this? And you just start getting a, a chuckle in you. you. go, I don't know, but it's gonna be a miracle. You know, and it's like, and do you understand? If we're not afraid of dying, and we're not afraid of being put in jail for our faith, then the devil can't scare us. Hooray! And I don't wanna die before I'm supposed to. And I don't want to be put in jail unless I have to be put in jail. I want to be put in jail for something good, not something bad, like preaching the gospel. And you know, these pastors in Canada that have been put in jail for having church or put in jail for bringing communion to people, praise the Lord. You know, it's like their faithfulness breaks the power of the enemy, which is propaganda and fear. You know, and I'm not making a political statement, I'm making a statement of life versus death, of light versus darkness. You know, that we're not going to succumb to the deep darkness, we're gonna rise and shine because the glory of the Lord is on us and it becomes visible in these dark hours. So Lord, just release your glory on us that it would be in our thinking, it would be in our thoughts, that we'd fill our hearts and minds with the word of God. I love, I I have the Bible on you know that plays out loud and I just love it I just I'm saying I don't need to hear bad news I need to hear good news let's see I think I'll just I'll just play the whole I'll play the book of Psalms I'll play the book of Romans I'll play the book of Ephesians I'll listen to the four gospels I'll get full of the faith of the book of Acts and I can just do it while I'm driving along and even if I have ADD like while I was having ADD, and I go, wait, I missed that part. It's okay, I'm being washed with the water of the word. It builds you up in your most holy faith, and then if you, get, and if you can't keep paying attention, just pray in tongues. It'll work every time. Okay, so here's, do you wanna stand? Were you tired of sitting for a while? Okay, so I wanna, I'm gonna share our true testimony with you, and then we're gonna pray for some impartation for miracles and breakthroughs and this kind of faith that never gives up. So, we have this, this uh, couple in our church. You can sit down. Yeah, don't just stand if you want, sit if you want, lay on the floor. If you need to go home, God bless you. You can get the tape or not tape, but download or whatever it is. Okay, <laughs> say I'm dating myself, you know? Okay, <laughs> get, get the. Stone ch- anyway. So Jeff and Emily are a couple that we've known for many years. They were young. They were always amazing. They were missionaries. Uh, they 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 came back from the mission field and they got involved in a in a scam, some kind of jewelry thing. They so they put all their money in it and they got all, they lost all their money and uh, and they they always had faith. And even in that point, they said, "Well, what what do we have in our hand?" You know, it's like. The question God asked Moses, "What do we have in the hand?" He said, "Well, do we know how to do anything?" I said, "Well, we know how to make cupcakes." So they started making cupcakes, and they started a little food business delivering cupcakes, and it turned into a company. And they got picked for the Cupcake Wars TV show, which I watched only because they were on it. I watched one episode of it, but and they came in number two in the Cupcake Wars. But they, their company prospered, and then um, you know the the whole. 2020 shutdown happened and one of their stores had a fire and burned down and the mall where their other store was uh, closed because you know everything was closed for a while and they thought what can we do and they prayed and they got all their employees together and said pray with us that God will give us a strategy so they got a strategy they got more food trucks and they had their best year ever in 2020 and then it was superseded by 2021 and they've just have all this this testimony of their faith and blessing on their life but they have been married for you know I don't know a long time 15 years maybe how long we've known them and uh and they never had children and this was a pain in their heart so we do this thing every year we have this first fruits offering and it's a big thing that we teach on just like listening to God and and hearing his voice and and sowing seeds into the, the dreams and the areas where we need breakthrough and stuff. So this year, so every year people do this, it's very holy and it's released miracles in every dimension, healing, marriages, houses, debts canceled, I, I mean, you know, reconciliations, salvations, every dimension of of healing you could imagine or breakthrough has been released through god 's faithfulness in these and people 's faith in the first fruits offering, so this year we had the first fruits offering and they they sowed this very massive first fruits offering and is really holy and what we we get all these envelopes and we pray over them, we pray and we agree, all the pastors pray, and we pray over what they 've put down is what they 're believing for and and it's just miraculous so we get their thing, there's this huge sum and go, what is it they're after? They said, a baby. And we're like, oh God, God, you know, like, you know, not houses, not, debts paid off, a baby. And so, so we're praying and we're weeping and so the. I didn't know, but they were having fertility treatments and stuff, and so they did some in vitro fertilization, which I actually, I have to say, I just have to give it to God. I don't understand it theologically, what happens to the the little embryos that nothing ever happens to, but they they were successful in getting some embryos, and they implanted one sometime uh, after the first fruits offering, and so they told us this, and they said, so we have to wait, you know, a few weeks and then they'll see if the hormones change and then they'll know she's pregnant. So so they were really happy. Yes, you know, she has all this estrogen and her, you know, she's pregnant. So they were excited. And so the day came when they that the baby now was old enough they were gonna do a sonogram and, and see if it was properly implanted and all this stuff. And so on so here's this is really real. Um, and I, we can put a slide up here, okay. So these are three sonogram pictures. The, the one, I mean, there's panels, so there's two in each panel. The first panel on, on your left was, was Thursday, March 31st. And there's a little tiny baby, there's a little tiny little thing there at the bottom of that void, that's the womb. And that was the baby, and there was a heartbeat, yay. And so they called and they said, there's a heartbeat and a baby and and we're all crying and happy and praising God. And then that night she began to cr- have severe cramping and started bleeding and they were like, so, uh, you know, and then they called the, the pastors and the prayer chain. It wasn't like our big prayer chain, but like some of the, the leaders that, and and they said, pray for us, pray for us. We don't know if Emily's having a miscarriage. And so the next morning, the fertility clinic, you know, said, come in, come in. You know, we, we'll, we'll see. And so the middle panel was on Friday, April 1st. And what is there is an empty womb. And there's no heartbeat. And there's no baby. And there's three doctors that come in to console them. You know, they all checked it out and you know they're trying to say you know it's not the end of the world you know there's there there'll be another they're just all crying and weeping and and her and Jeff sneaks out and calls the church and he says would I don't you know just ask the pastors to pray for a miracle. Now we're really you know like oh God you know we're brokenhearted and we're crying God help you know so we're crying for, out for this miracle and, you know, it's private, it's not public. And, uh, and so that's Friday, the empty tomb, you know, empty womb. And, uh, and so then Monday, they go back, Monday, April 4th. This is, you know, just a few weeks ago. Monday, April 4th, they go back. This is on the right. And, uh, and they went in for a DNC. So before they did the DNC, they do an ultrasound so they can see if there's stuff in there. And the ultrasound... Had, had a strong heartbeat, and a, a baby in her womb that was two times bigger than the baby that was there on the previous Thursday. And... And the, the technician looks at her and says, do you know people who pray? <laughs> and she said, well, yeah, but I, we haven't told anybody. And uh, and then Jeff, he had, he had slipped, you know, she's devastated weeping. He's, he's like, please pray, you know. And he says, well, yeah, actually, I called the pastors of our church and they they prayed. And, and the woman said, I've been doing this for 22 years. I've never seen anything like this. It's a miracle. And then the, the doctors, you know, the doc, these three doctors that looked at the, the Friday thing, they just said, we have no medical explanation for this. Wow. So my brain is fried on this. You know, like I think like, well, what are the genetics of this? Big baby, like, is are they identical to the baby that was? Like it, it's just a wild, amazing thing. And I, the God, with God, no, nothing's impossible. I mean, this is, and it, this reminded me, and probably, I, probably all the prophets are using this scripture because it's twenty twenty two. And I've heard people say double for your trouble and stuff, and I just ignore stuff like that. Not because I don't believe, but it's not my style. So, okay. But this this whole thing reminds me of Isaiah 61, 7. Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. Instead of confusion or dishonor, rejoicing shall be your portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double, and they'll have everlasting joy. And I, I just feel like God, it, it can raise the dead. And so, we stand up because we're just about done here. And I just I felt like not. We'll pray for the the people that um, the words of knowledge were for. Lay hands on them, and some of you can join in with that, but I, I just wanted to say, are, is there anyone here that you're, you got a dead dream? You know, a dead, like, like a miscarriage, you know, like that thing, and so I, I feel like I want to release this miracle grace to your life, and I can't, you know, it's God, I can't do anything, but, but God did it, and the power of the testimony is that he he we give these testimonies of his goodness and it releases a grace and a faith and he does it again yeah. you know that's that's the power so i just want to pray for you know dead marriages dead businesses dead you know dead callings like you know i w- i was called and then Bad things happen in my life, and now I'm disqualified. And maybe I did bad things. You know, all, whatever it is, our our shame gets replaced by everlasting joy, and there's a grace of God on that. And so, so I just I, I'm just can do this without laying on hands. But it, if that's your condition, you just lift up your hands. The God of hope. Wow. Yeah. God. You see, you see the broken hearts of your people and you have compassion. And I pray that there would be such a release of the nothing is impossible with God on these lives, that there would be testimony after testimony after testimony after testimony that this thing was dead and gone and God has revived it and replaced it with something twice as big that he's given me double for my trouble that he's given for that he's taken away the confusion and he's replaced it with joy and an inheritance father we thank you that gifts and callings are without repentance we thank you that that all the promises of god find their yes in Jesus. That no matter how many promises he made, they're all yes in Jesus. So Jesus, we ask you, Lord of the breakthrough, Savior of the world, Lamb of God, that you would release your victory, that you would destroy the work of the enemy, that every weapon formed against your people would be destroyed that that every tongue that has risen up in judgment, you would condemn, that you would release vindication and joy and hope, God, that there would be, that our joy would be the testimony of your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. amen, amen, amen.